This is Wrestling for the Faith. Wrestling for the Faith. right now or do you feel awkward or do you feel like you've got to be in a church building because if anybody has seen what has happened over the last couple of years God proved that church was not in a building church was not about a building it was not about uh, some superstar being on the stage. It was not about smoke and lights and, and a big worship band. Amen. Do you have to have all of that or can you worship God on your own? Can you worship God one-on-one? That's what it's all about. We need to break out of this box that says, oh, well, I can only worship when my favorite songs play. <laughs> I used to be like that. I used to I used to not be able to go to a church that was doing hymnals. I've been like, oh, I can't even I can't do those old songs. But listen, when you come into that intimate relationship with Jesus, you can worship as long as it's glorifying the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, you can worship. So if you're not there, I encourage you to sit right now through whatever they're about to do. I, I encourage you to sit there and pray and search yourself. Can you, can you worship with amazing grace? Can you worship with some of those old songs just like you can those, those new ones that are upbeat and that get you going? Or do you need hot? 
somebody to hide you into, into worship? Do you need energy? There's so much in the church these days that it's about height and it's about energy. But that's not the spirit of God moving. Amen. Okay? You can worship anywhere. And you can worship no matter who's around. So quit focusing on anybody. I know some of you don't know each other and you're sitting around and you're thinking, I don't know this person next to me. I know some of you are shy, whatever. Don't be focusing on who's around you. Close your eyes. That's what the Lord told me to do several years ago. He said, close your eyes. Sit down. Put your head down and focus on me. Quit focusing on everybody around you. Get into that one-on-one intimate relationship with Jesus and truly worship Him right now. There's revival breaking out in this land. Yes. There's not a shortage of revival in this land. But there's a shortage of people who will accept what God is sending. So will you accept it today? Revival is not a series of meetings in a church. I'm sick of people saying, oh, we're having a revival. We're having a revival for three days or for a week. That's not a revival. That's a series of meetings. Revival is when repentance comes and heart transformation takes place. And and hungry people are not afraid to go outside the doors of the church and proclaim Jesus to the world. It's boldness. Yes. That's what revival is, and that's what's happening. I don't know if it's happening in all of you, but praise God, there's two men right here, right now, and our families that it is outpouring in. Yes. And we're thanking God for it. And it's going to continue to, and it's going to overflow. So I encourage you right now, if you want it, this is your time. If you want it, if you want to get out of the old, dead, dry religion, right now is the time. If you feel like you're in a place where you're bound down, you got chains on you, you got blocks on your feet, and you can't worship and you can't move, that's the enemy trying to hold you down. If you feel like standing up and raising your hands, but you just feel like something's telling you not to, that's the devil. Stop letting him win. I promise you, if you will begin to worship the Lord right now in spirit and in truth, those chains will come off. Stop letting the enemy have control over you. He has no authority in this place. This place is led by the Holy Spirit. Be free. You are free. No denominational boundaries. We're not Baptists. We're not Methodists. We're not Church of God or Presbyterian or any of those. No denominational boundaries. There's no boundaries. This is, the, the Bible says where the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You are free here to worship. If you want to stand, if you want to sit, if you want to cry, if you want to run, if you want to shout, if you want to walk around and pray, whatever you want to do, you do it. There's nobody going to stop you. You are free right now. Free to worship in your own way. Worship your Lord and Savior right now in your own way. Yes, 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 yes. You are not
share this. Uh, and I, usually I share this like near the end of my testimony. Uh, but I feel like God's laid it on my heart to share right now because it is a, it is a picture, it is a story, it is something that God has used to remind me of the Father's love every single day of my life. Now I was saved at 17 years old in the church of God that was built by my grandfather, we preached there until we died in the cities. And I remember there being this different atmosphere when I walked in that building, before I even was saved, before I really knew what was going on. But I remember my mom, as a kid, no matter what she was doing, working two or three jobs to take care of me, there was never a night that went by where she didn't pray for me. And they sung a song this morning at church that talked about those prayers of our mother, our father, our aunts, uncles, whatever it is. And I, I, I said the thing, like my mom was planting seeds in me. So fast forward, 17 years old, Church of God, Pastor John Banks is preaching. And so real quick, uh, I remember just growing up in his church and there's Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. And I'm like, what is going on right now? But I knew there was something that was not fabricated in that building. Amen. There was something moving in that building because you have a 70 or 80 year old man and woman walking in on a cane or whatever. But by the time the Holy Spirit filled that place, they're running the aisles. You can't make that up. So 17 years old, Pastor John Banks is preaching the gospel, Jesus Christ. And he makes that altar call to give your life to the Lord. And I decided, well, the enemy was trying to keep me because there was like cinder blocks on my feet. That was hindering me. But I made that first step and it, and it reminded me of, the, of Peter in the boat. And Jesus said, take my hand and take that first step. Yes. And I did. And my life changed. Now in my 20s, I'm skipping around a little bit, but in my 20s, I battled with alcohol, I battled with porn addictions, I battled with identity problems, I battled with pill addictions, so many other things. And I started to forget about God and put my Bible in the nightstand. It was like a lucky charm that I just watered up in my pocket and brought it out when I needed it. But I'm reminded of the cross because when I was 17 years old, the Lord saved me. Jesus saved me. He called me to that cross. And, and my message today is, is simple. Because I believe that we're here for a reason other than to hear a 30 or 45 minute sermon. I think there's, I feel that there's some, some prayer in me. I feel like we just need to keep worshiping what we're doing because there's a spirit here that's going to set some things free. But during those troubled times in my life, I pray, Lord, don't wake me up. I have no purpose in life. I don't want to be here. I was battling different things in life, battling uh, the, you know, the loss of my, my grandmother, and all these different things just kept piling in on me. But at the same time, I'm, as a five-year-old, I wanted to be a pro wrestler. I'm living my dream. So to the outside world, here's a man who's achieving everything, contract, on TV, video games, action figures, all this other stuff. But inside, I'm broken and void. And I'm constantly searching for a way to fill that void. I had forgotten about 
the 17-year-old feeling that I felt when I walked to the cross and knelt because of what my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did for me. I forgot about that blood he shed that Pastor Sam talked about this morning. I was following him from a distance, right? We all tend to do that sometimes. There's no pointing fingers because I've been there. But as I'm praying those things, Lord, don't wake me up, don't give me purpose. I'm waking up from a drunken night or a pill-induced night, and I remember God convicted me each and every time in that little still small voice. And I have so much more for you, Chad. Yes. So much more for you. He was trying to whisper in my ear. He was trying to say, I love you. I'm, your identity is in me. Amen. Taste and see. And that's been something that's been on the case in my heart lately is tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. So fast forward a little bit. I'm into this depression state. I'm living my dream as a pro wrestler. I'm searching for something to fill this void. Drugs, porn, all this other garbage in the world. Still searching, still searching, still searching. Broken. Going home after being on the road for four days and shutting my apartment off and closing the curtains of one bedroom apartment and just being by myself, shutting my mom and dad out who love me, pray for me, family, anything. And I had a buddy that invited me to go camping with him. A good friend of mine I grew up with, a Christian brother. And he knew what I was going through. He knew I was a believer. I think he said something. He's like, you're, you're bad about something. I think you just need to get away. And I hate camping. <laughs> I served four years in the Marine Corps. I slept on enough rocks and I didn't want to do it. So, but I, I gave in. I gave in. You know, the enemy tried to keep me. No, no, you need to stay secluded. You need to, you know, you need to keep trying to search for ways to fill that void. But I gave in and I decided to go to this camp trip. There was no cell phone service. And that was already crazy for me. Sleeping in the tent. It's August. It's hot. But I said, all right, I'm going to take my Bible and I'm going to go and I'm going to search. Because I was searching for something. And on that camping trip, I just decided to take a walk. It was just me and my Bible and the Lord. I decided to take a walk up into a trail, get away. It was probably a couple hundred yards out in the middle of nowhere. Nothing around me but God's existence. And it was there on that little trail as I sat on this rock, you know, trees and a stream and all this stuff, just nature, you know, God's existence all around me, where he started to speak to me. And I prayed for about an hour, Lord, I need you. I need you to reveal some things to me. I'm, I'm, I want to give up here. I don't know what else to do, God. I'm broken. Hour goes by, hour and a half maybe. I don't hear anything. I don't hear anything. Now you're mad. I'm glad to say I could sling my body into the woods. But I was that mad. And I started to walk down that trail. It's as if God reminded me, he whispered in my ear. I've had this little gift I say from the Lord, and it's really opened up lately as I've drawn closer to him, where he would whisper things into my ear. And it finally dawned on me that day as I'm walking down this trail. He said, I've never left your side. <clears throat> he reminded me of his existence and talks about it in Romans 1. We have no excuse because his existence is all around us. You see, to the outside world, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says that the cross is foolish to those perishing, right? But to us who love God, trust God, know God, it is life. It is life. And he reminded me that they, you need to go back to the cross where it all began. You need to remember what my son did for you. 
You need to remember how you felt at 17 years old and go back to the cross and understand that knowing God, right? You know about God. You know the things of God, that head knowledge. You need to have that heart knowledge. And it reminded me of how messy my life was. And I just want to tell this little story. And this happened a couple months ago. Casey and I always laugh about it because I'm a grown tattoo of man that I bawl eyes out of is what I'm talking about. But Psalm 3, Psalm 3, verse 3, remember this. Whatever you're going through right now, depression, family issues, job loss, whatever it may be, we have one that never leaves our side. Jeremiah 29, 13, real quick, says, you seek me and search me with all of your heart. I will reveal myself. And that's a promise. Yeah. That is a promise. Psalm 3 3 says, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Alright, I'll try this. About a month and a half ago, I have a five-year-old daughter named Zayda Grace. I'm in the kitchen and she <laughs> she walks up with a little head down and she said, I mean, can just she's like, Daddy, and I look over and tell something wrong with you. I was like, what's wrong, baby? What, what is it? And she said, I spilled something on the couch. I made a mess at it. And I had two decisions here. I get mad. Or I can allow God to teach me a lesson that I can teach everybody else that I get a chance to speak to. You know what I did? I nailed down this little five-year-old girl loves her dad. And I lifted her head up like it says right here in Psalm 3-3. I lifted her head up with my finger. I said, look at daddy's eyes. I said, baby, it's okay. I'll clean that mess up. Amen. And God spoke to me and he said, that's your life. Mm-hmm. We all mess up, we all make messes, but God is there. Our Father, Abba, Papa, Daddy, whatever you want to call him. There's a moment where it shifts from, it's always going to be our God. But there's a moment when you come to know the love of God. That just like Ava Grace knew her daddy lifted her head up and everything was okay and there was a sigh of relief. There's a moment in our life where he, he goes from not just being our God but becoming our Father. Yes. He is our Father that we go to our secret place and He knows and we know that without a doubt when we go to our secret place that He's going to be there waiting for us. So remember that. Remember that little story of a five-year-old girl that went up to her daddy with her head down in shame because she thought maybe, maybe, just maybe, daddy's going to be mad. But man, the Lord taught me a lesson that day. That he's the lifter of my head. He's the lifter of your head, your head, your head. No matter what mess you're in, no matter what mess you've made, however you've lived your life, we serve a father that lifts our head and says, look in my eyes. Taste and see and know that I love you no matter what. And that's what today's about. That's why Casey and I have such a heart for just wanting to share the gospel. Like he says, the church, this is church. This is church. 
I'm not trying to be mean, but I mean, girls don't go for girls, boys don't go for boys. Don't know which bathroom or locker room to go in. Some of them think they're animals. Some of them think they don't even have a gender. We live in a world of confusion. Tell me, who's the author of confusion? Too many in this world, even if you are saved, we don't know who we truly are in Christ. 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to read first verse 4. It says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Does anybody know why? Can anybody finish this verse? Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in this world. Let me ask you, are you truly born again? I'm not asking that you have a head knowledge. I'm not asking that you grow up in church every day of your life. Because you can go to church every time the doors are open all of your life. But it don't make you a true born again believer any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. Amen. Come on. There's a whole lot of people who go to church every time the doors are open, but they're gonna bust hell wide open because they don't they know religion. Yeah. They know church routine. But they don't truly know Jesus. Yeah. But if you truly know Jesus, if you truly have the Holy Spirit living in you right now, the Bible says greater is He who is in you than He who is in the world. What do you have to fear? This world is going crazy, I know. There's so many living in fear and torment right now. If you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you, what do you have to fear? And I know about fear. I went through a full year, 2017 to 2018, of severe anxiety and depression. There's several in here who were around me at that time. They can tell you. I would just go numb, collapse to my knees, throw up. I mean, just at the drop of a hat. Go into a, a panic attack. Just go nuts. And I was a Christian at that time. But I was living in fear and torment because I didn't truly know who I was in Christ. I didn't know the power that He had given me. The Bible talks so much about Christ is in you and you are in him. You read all of Paul's writings and he's constantly using the phrase in Christ or Christ in you. I want you to understand Romans chapter 6 there's a lot of people who use that as a they say that chapter is all about water baptism. That has absolutely nothing to do with water baptism. And if you think it's water baptism, then you miss the whole point. 
But it says, basically to paraphrase, that when you get saved, the moment that you're truly born again and accept Jesus, in the Father's eyes, you were hanging on that cross with Jesus over 2,000 years ago. You were buried in that same tomb with Jesus. And then three days later, when he was resurrected and he walked out of that tomb, you did too. Yes. It says your old man is dead. Amen. The old you, who you were before you got saved, is dead. Too many of us don't understand that. We don't know that. Therefore, we're living that, as, as some people say, living on the fence, one foot in the world and one foot in God. I want to tell you, the devil owns the fence. There is no in-between. The Bible is actually clear. Jesus actually says it. If you're not with me, you're against me. You need to know your identity. You need to know, you now know what he did for you. You need, you know now what the Father sees when he looks at you. You made that mistake the other day. What did the Father see when he looked at you? Was he disgusted? Was he disgusted? Did he look at you in disgust and say, I cannot believe you screwed up again? When he looks at you, if you're truly born again, what does he see? Jesus. He sees Jesus. That blood has washed you clean. Every sin that you ever did commit, every sin that you ever will commit, you're washed. Now, a truly born again believer is not going to have the desire to live in continual willful sin. So if that's you, don't think, oh, God's grace is just gives me a license to live however I want to. That's, that's not grace. If you've truly tasted grace, you don't want to sin. Right. Romans 7 says that you hate sin. Yeah, we all mess up. But you hate it. You hate sin. All over John 4, beginning at verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He, Jesus, is, so are we in this world. Yes, amen. Grab a hold of this. And it took me a long time to let this clear. And if you've got a religious mindset, this is going to really, this is going to really test you. If you're truly born again, you are as righteous as God. Thank you. People say, no, no way. Tell me, is Jesus God? Are you in Him? You are as righteous as God. 
It says that he who knew no sin was made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We are the righteousness of God. If you're born again, you are the righteousness of God. Not in your flesh, in Christ Jesus. You are in him. This is where the power comes from. Knowing who you truly are. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Tell me, do you struggle with fear? If you do, raise your hand. We need to come into the understanding of who we are. Because when we truly know who we are, fear will be able to grip us. Now there's sudden fears that come. You have that split second. But a fear that grips you, it is illegal in the child of God. You are as Jesus is. Understand your identity. Understand who you are. Let that produce boldness in you. Not arrogance, but boldness. To go out and proclaim his word. To not be afraid of the people at school. To not be afraid of the people on your job. To not be afraid of the people in the grocery store. Stand firm. Don't try to fit in with everybody. Don't try to fit in with the world. Don't be a coward when you're around worldly friends and they are talking like this or they're doing this and you feel like you've got to do that same thing to fit in. That's not who you are. That's it. That is not who you are. You are a child of God. The Father sees Jesus in you because He is in you and you are in Him. That's your identity. That's where sin comes from, is not knowing your identity. When you truly know your identity, when you truly are coming into this, this area where you are understanding, I'm in Christ and Christ is in me, you look around and you're like, that porn addiction, where'd that go? That sex addiction, where'd that go? That pill addiction, where'd that go? That alcohol addiction, where'd that go? That desire to be accepted by my friends who are in this world, where'd that go? Because when you come into that understanding of who you are, you don't care about the temporary friends of this world. It's all about Jesus. And every day of your life, every, every, every step you take, every move you make in song, <laughs> everything, that you, everything that you do, everywhere that you go, is an opportunity to share your Lord and Savior. 
every Facebook post, every Twitter post, every Instagram post, or whatever those are. What are you sharing? What are you showing people? You trying to live both ways? If you are, Jesus can completely and radically transform you. This is not about you working. This is not about you doing good enough to earn brownie points with God. This is about understanding what He's already done, the finished work. Anybody know one of the sayings of Jesus? What, what was his last words? It is finished. It is finished. Anxiety problems that you're dealing with, it's finished. Yes. Depression problems that you're dealing with, finished. Everything that you have ever or will ever deal with, finished. Rest. Understand who you are in Him and understand what He did for you. Jesus did not just die so that you could live for Him. He died so that He could live through you. Yes. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Whose faith? Whose faith? Whose faith? Are you trying to produce your own faith? Are you trying to make your faith grow just out of nowhere? Whose faith are you supposed to be relying on? The Son of God. It was His faith that went to the cross because He knew what it was going to do. He knew what it was going to produce. Everything that we're doing, we're living by Him. If you'll just rest, if you'll quit trying to work, if you'll quit trying to be good enough, if you'll quit trying to make things happen, if you will just rest in the finished work of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in and He begins to perform these righteous works in you. It's not your works. It's not, oh, i got to go to church enough, i got to read enough, i got to study enough, i got to uh, give enough in the offering, i, I got to do this and this and this. That's, that's not what it's about. When you're truly born again and you begin to rest, come on. When you begin to rest, He works through you. Yes. I heard a saying one time when I work, God rests. But when I rest, God works. Amen. That's true in, in a way, but 
I would submit to you that it's not necessarily true because what does the Bible say? He's seated. Because it's already finished. Yes. Yes. So what's he working on? He ain't working on nothing. It's already done. Yeah. You just gotta understand it. You just gotta rest in it. You gotta trust it. You gotta know it. So as they say, you got anything else? Sure. <laughs> Maybe one thing. All right, I'll, I'll seriously. John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says right after that, I come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Yes. The first book of John, John 1. John's talking about the word became flesh and dwelt among men. And there he says, in him is life. And that just sounds hard about what he's talking about, that identity. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy right now. He's coming to steal your families. He's coming to steal your joy, your pride. We don't pride But he's coming to steal everything about you that's drawing you closer to the Lord. So maybe you're here and you're sitting in that seat. You need prayer, but the thief's saying, no, you sit there. You do what I tell you to do, but Jesus is saying, no, I come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And when I really started to understand that, that Jesus is my life source. I mentioned a minute ago in a little bit of my testimony that I was constantly searching for a way. John 14, 6. Yeah. He says, I am the way. Yeah. I am the truth. And I am <coughs> the life. Remember that as you walk on this journey because he's going to attack us every single day. We know that. But the thief is a liar. And he is powerless against the mighty name of Jesus Christ. So, alright. I think, we, I think, let's do a little moment of prayer. Let's just pray. If anybody needs prayer, please. That's what we're here for, guys. I'd love to pray with you, pray over you. Lord knows I need prayer. Casey and I have a, a five-day men's retreat coming up at the end of April where we're going to be away from our cell phones, no uh, able to get in touch with our families other than the orchestrator and organizers of it if there's an emergency. And they warned us about two months ago, about two weeks leading up to this, you're going to be attacked. And this week I have been attacked. The enemy is attacking me. So see, we're not vulnerable. We're not some holier than thou guys standing up here. We go through the same exact things. So I encourage you, just ask for prayer. If there's something that's on your heart, something of loved one that's fallen away, whatever it may be. Let's pray for them. Let's pray together. Let's come together in unity in one accord. And as the book of Acts talks about those men and women that turned the world upside down. Let's do that. Yes. And let's share God and share what our Savior does for us. Thank you for listening to Wrestling for the Faith. Don't forget to follow Casey Cage on Twitter at RealCaseyCage. Follow Chad Lale on Twitter at CWLale underscore Gunner. And follow the show at Facebook.com slash Wrestling for the Faith.